Amen. Well, please be seated, everybody. Good morning. So pleased to see everybody here this morning. Anybody got big plans tonight? New Year's Eve party. You can be honest. Don't lie in church. You got some big plans to go out and party tonight or something? Come on, guys. Well, this is a special time of year. Um, my personal favorite time of year is the time frame that runs about, I don't know, two weeks before Thanksgiving through Christmas. I just love that time of year. <clears throat> I'm always sad to see it go after Christmas is over. And, um, you know, it's something that is, is easy to forget about as soon as it's over. We start packing up the tree. My wife and I have already packed up the tree at our house. But this morning, I still want you to think about the amazing gift that Jesus was. In a way, Jesus was the ultimate Christmas gift. When he came, his, 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 the appearance of Jesus into the world brought hope where there was hopelessness. And it brought reconciliation where there was division. And it brought forgiveness that was so desperately needed. What a wonderful gift he is, amen? I want to tell you a funny story about, about uh, Christmas gifts. Um, those of you who know me know that at one time I worked um, as a salesman in a sporting goods store. And uh, there was this gentleman who came in and he spent gobs of money with us always buying different sporting goods items. And one day he came in and he was overlooking at some very, very nice shotguns. Those of you who know the name Beretta know what I'm talking about. And um, so he's looking at this shotgun. It's about $4,000. <clears> and he says, I like this. This is, this, this is a nice one. It's a 20 gauge. And I think I'm going to buy this. And I, I said, well, don't you already have something similar to this? You know, being the foolish salesman that I was, I should have just taken his money and that would have been that. But he said, yeah, uh, this is the one I think I want. And so uh, I'm actually buying this for my wife. I said, okay. So we rang him up. And a couple weeks later, he came back in. He goes, you know, funny thing, my wife didn't really have a lot of interest in that shotgun. And he said, so I just told her whenever she opened it, hey, I'll just take that from me and it can be mine. Uh, fast forward, that was around Thanksgiving time. Fast forward to Christmas, his wife comes in and uh, she's, she's looking all happy and everything. And I said, hey, you know, I heard your husband got to that shotgun. Sorry, it didn't work out for you. She goes, actually, it did. At Christmas time, I wrapped him up a present as well. And um, it came in a little box about that big. And when he opened it up, there was a set of one-carat diamond earrings in there. And I, and I told him, oh, you don't have any use for those. Oh, okay, well, I'll take those off of your hands. <laughs> Sometimes you get to give a gift, and in the end, you end up getting a gift at the same time, don't you? We're going to talk about that this morning. One such gift is the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. It's a gift you can give but you end up getting in return. As I was wrestling to speak about what we should talk about this particular week, as we're about to shove off into a new year, um, about, I don't know, two months ago when I was thinking about this particular sermon, I was wrestling with a few different ones, and eventually I landed on forgiveness because I don't think there's anything that you could start your year out better with. There's a different scripture that talks about, it's actually talking about money, but it, it, it says, owe nothing to your brother or sister except the debt of love. Uh, but I think that that applies here too, that as we think about forgiveness this morning and you start a new year, 
You don't want to be in debt to anybody like that. So how can you start off with forgiveness? You know, sometimes the holidays, they cram us into a house full of people that are family or friends, and by the end of however long they've been there, we're kind of if we're honest, glad to see them go back to their house at the end. You know, uh, sometimes being crammed in that proximity with people makes us a little bit grumpy. Who was it? It was uh, Beverly D'Angelo in in, uh, the Griswold's Christmas. She said, I don't know what to say except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. Uh, So that's another good reason to talk about forgiveness. Maybe you're still trying to forgive some house guests that spent some time at your house over the Christmas holiday. And so what I want us to do is look at what the Word of God says about forgiveness this morning from two separate scriptures. Both of them occur in Matthew. So if you have your Bible and it still looks like this, open that up. If you have your phone and your phone's your Bible nowadays, open up your phone to the book of Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 6, okay? I'll give you just a second to turn there. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Now, those of you who are probably, there's probably many of you who are already familiar with this particular passage, the Lord's Prayer. In fact, many of you could probably quote it for me verbatim. I grew up in church having to say this at every single church service. We said the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And so I could say it verbatim. Uh, So if you know it, say it with me. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now to stick your finger right where you had your Bible open there, or or if you have your phone, go ahead and turn it over and close your Bibles like this. Now don't look ahead. Many of you know that Lord's Prayer by heart, don't you? But do you know what Jesus underscores next. He's just got done telling his followers, this is how you should pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer, which says a a lot of things. But then he comes back in verse 14 and 15, and he underscores something. Does anybody know what it is? Listen to this, beginning in verse 14. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will will not forgive your wrongdoing. So Jesus lays out for his followers, this is how you communicate with the Father. This is how you talk to him. This is how you should ask of things from him. And this is the type of stuff you should be asking. And then he finishes that whole thing and he goes, now wait a second, don't miss this. And he goes back and he says, you need to forgive your brother and sister. Did you miss that? That I just told you? You need to forgive them. Jesus draws their attention back to forgiveness. And so he says, if you don't forgive your brothers and sisters, I'm not going to forgive you. Now, if you're like me this morning, that should give you pause. How many of you want to be forgiven by Jesus? Right? So what's he mean by that? That's the question. What's he mean when he says, if you don't forgive your brother or sister, your Father in heaven will not forgive you? We're going to talk about that this, this morning, but one thing's for certain Jesus takes forgiveness really seriously, doesn't he? He wants all of us to forgive each other. Because with unforgiveness in our hearts, we risk the judgment of God. 
with unforgiveness in our hearts, we risk the judgment of God. And that judgment will have some consequences, as we'll see this morning. Now, flip back a few chapters and go to Matthew 18. So same book, same author. Go to Matthew chapter 18. I see another thing very similar about forgiveness listed here. Now, this one is a little bit longer. I'm going to read through it because it's just a story. It's a parable. As you know, Jesus often told stories to teach, didn't he? And so listen to this story. Many of you have heard this too. This is the parable of the unforgiving slave, right? The unforgiving slave. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter's being pretty generous. You know, my brother has failed me seven times now in this area. Should I forgive him seven times? And so Jesus answers, I tell you, not as many as seven. At that moment, Peter's like, yes, I can do less than seven, right? And Jesus says to him, no, no, but 70 times seven. And you know, Peter, oh, man. And then Jesus starts his typical thing, right? I mean, be honest. If you were one of Jesus' disciples, you you probably got tired of this, right? Like, you just want a straight answer from Jesus sometimes. And he goes, well, let me tell you a story about that, right? And then Jesus goes into a parable. But listen to this story, because it's one of the ones that I think is really beautiful, too. It says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. And since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell face down before him and said, please be patient with me and I will pay you everything. When the master of that slave had compassion on him and released him and forgave him the loan. But that slave then went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. And he grabbed him and started choking him and said, pay me what you owe me. At this, his fellow slave fell down and began to beg him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. And when the other slaves saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from the heart. How many in the room have heard this particular parable before by a show of hands, right? So some of you haven't. So one thing that's worth noting here is they've kind of changed the way that they're counting. The first slaved what? 10,000 talents, the second slave owed 100 denarii. Don't you hate when the, like, people change the, how they're counting? It's kind of like when you ask a mother, well, how old is your child? She goes, oh, he's 63 months. <laughs> Why can't you just use years and tell me how old, right? So let's put this into perspective, okay? 10,000 talents is the equivalent of 60 million denarii. 60 million So the first slave owed the ruler 60 million and he forgave him of that debt. And the second slave owed 100 denarii and the slave who had just been forgiven 
choked him and said, pay me what you owe me, and threw him into prison. We all too quickly forget how much we've been forgiven, don't we? Here's this slave, 60 million is forgiven. He walks away feeling like he's lighter than air. And a few moments later, he's choking his fellow slave for a relatively minuscule amount of money. We forget how much we've been forgiven. Now, in these two passages, I want you guys to catch two things that I think Jesus is teaching about the concept of forgiveness. There's two things. When you're wrestling with forgiveness, number one, remember how much you have been forgiven already in Jesus. We just learned that from this parable about the unforgiving slave, didn't we? That's what Jesus was driving home. You've been forgiven so much, Peter. So much. Why should you withhold forgiveness from your brother? That's the lesson Jesus is teaching in that one. And then secondly, do not withhold relationship with others or God will do the same to you. And that's what Jesus is teaching in the section about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is all about relationship. How do we, how do we have relationship with the Father? How do we talk to him? You see, he's not talking about salvation here. I want that to be clear to you guys today. Jesus is not saying, if you don't forgive your brother or sister, I'm going to remove your salvation from you. That's not what he's saying. It's a relationship with God issue. Because ultimately, unforgiveness separates you from God and it hinders your prayers to him. Do you understand that? Unforgiveness will separate you from God relationally. You may still have your salvation, but you won't have that indwelling presence of God in your life. You won't have that filling of the Holy Spirit day in and day out that you need. Your relationship will be hindered, and your prayers will likewise be hindered. Listen to that last section there from verse 35 again. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Sometimes, the Bible's always beautiful, but sometimes I love how perfectly it's laid out. And that is perfect. Forgive his brother from his what? His heart. How do we do that? How do we forgive from the heart, folks? I mean, you've been there before, haven't you? I know I have been. I will say to myself mentally, yeah, I've forgiven that person. I have, I've moved on, right? And then maybe you're at HEB and you're over in the produce section and you see your brother whom you have not forgiven. You say, I really don't need produce today. And you turn your cart and you go back over into dairy, right? You want to be around them. Or maybe you see one of their posts on Facebook and you just scoff at it and you know, you're certainly not going to hit the like button. And you're like, I don't want to even look at that person. And without even thinking about it, you feel that, work with me here, nod your head with me if, if you know what I'm talking about. You feel that awkward feeling deep in your chest whenever you're around that person or when you see them. And you don't even really understand why you feel that way. When you feel that feeling in your heart, it's the Father 
knocking on your heart's door and saying, you've got something in here that is really bad for you. And I want to deal with it. And that's why you're uncomfortable with them. That's why you don't want to spend time with them. That's why you don't want to think well of them. That's why you don't want to pray pray for them and talk to them. Now, do you want me to pull away from you like that? Do you want me to be separated from you like that? Do you want me to not want to listen when you want to communicate with me? Forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. That's what Jesus is talking to us about. That's what he's talking about. I want to give you a few practical reminders. This was just a few things here and we'll move quickly. First of all, remember the importance of relationship. This is how I think are just a few practical steps you can move towards forgiveness. Because forgiveness when you've been hurt, especially when it's a serious offense, it's a journey to get from unforgiveness to to forgiveness. So here are just a few practical steps that take you down the journey, okay, and will help you get there. Remember the importance of relationship, okay? Remember that your Father in Heaven wants to have relationship with you, and that if you don't forgive your brother or sister, that relationship will be hindered. And that will have consequences for your life and for your spiritual life, certainly. Okay? Secondly, don't elevate offenses. Elevate relationships. Don't elevate offenses. Elevate relationships. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by elevating an offense? Maybe I'm the only one who's done this before, but somebody hurts you in some way, or somebody disappoints you in some way, and you're sitting and thinking about it, and then you go, you know what? That's not the first time they've done that to me. You follow me here? Then you go, you know what? Because it's not the first time that's happened, I would say that person has done it deliberately this time. And then you go from that to go, you know what? That person's out to get me. You see what's happening? Which voice are you listening to? Is that the voice of the Holy Spirit? Who's whispering in your ear in those moments? Don't elevate offenses. Instead, learn to elevate relationships. What would the world look like if we started elevating relationships like we typically choose to elevate the offenses in our life? In a world that's so easily offended by everything, it seems. What if when we started thinking those feelings, we said to ourselves, yeah, but I know her. I know her. And that, that's not who she is. She's just made a mistake. And I make a lot of mistakes, and I sure don't want people to hold out forgiveness on me. I'm going to forgive her. She's not perfect, but neither am I. And one thing I know, I want our relationship to be healed. That's most important, not the offense. Elevate relationships, okay? Don't allow Satan to use those moments as moments of division. Satan likes to look for these little disagreements and arguments and offenses and he wants to stick a crowbar of division in that crack and he wants to spread it open. Be particularly careful of that in your family where he loves to attack, between husbands and wives, between parents and children. 
be particularly careful in a work environment between any type of leadership where you're in leadership over someone or someone's in leadership over you. Satan loves to divide leadership. Look for those, listen for those, be aware of his schemes, okay? If you don't handle this, it'll grow into bitterness. Don't allow a place for offenses to grow into bitterness. If you do that, your sin of harboring bitterness is usually much greater than whatever slight was inflicted upon you. Don't allow bitterness to grow in your heart. Root it out. Question for everybody this morning is, is a relationship with your brother or sister more important to you than being right? Is a relationship with your husband or your wife more important than being right? How many of you love being right? I love being right. How many of you love the relationship that God says is more important more than being right? I saw something. If you're one of my friends on Facebook, it's probably up on my Facebook page right now. Um, and it, it was said something very similar to that this week. It was really funny as I was preparing my message, and it says, uh, sometimes it's best to know when to shut up and stop trying to be right. That's true. A second thing that I think you can do is you need to ask God to help you forgive. True forgiveness, especially when you've been sincerely hurt by somebody. It wasn't just an offense. It wasn't something small, but it was a big deal. You're going to need God's help to forgive that person. There's no question in my mind. Now, the good news is, is that God is like a subject matter expert when it comes to forgiveness. Like, this is the guy you have on speed dial who says, I know a little bit about forgiveness. I can help you with that. You've got the greatest resource in the whole universe in forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Who with his dying words on the cross said, Father, what? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is God's specialty, and one thing you can do to help with this is ask him to forgive you of a resentful or a bitter or unforgiving heart. You're saying, wait a second, this person's hurt me. Why am I asking for forgiveness? Do you want relationship with the Father? Do you want your prayers to be heard? Repent. The Bible talks about this concept over and over. First repent. First go to the Father and say, you forgave me when I was yet a sinner, the Bible says, in this is love, while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. You have forgiven me so much, I cannot hold forgiveness back from this person, but I need help to do that, Father. Do you see the repentance in that? Do you see the prayer in that? Ask God to remind you of your own sin. We've already talked about that. And then pray for them. You know? And when I say pray for them, when you're angry at them, I don't mean like pray for them like my mother used to pray for me. Lord, help me not to kill this boy right now. You know, no, no, pray for them. What do I mean by pray for them? Find it within your heart to ask God to deal with them mercifully. Heavenly Father, you're the king of all justice. I don't need to seek vengeance. 
you have not sought vengeance upon me. I, but I want vengeance on this person, Father. Forgive me for that. Help me to forgive them and deal with them mercifully, Father. Deal with them like you deal with me. At the very least, learn to ask God to give you an increased ability to wish that person well. Okay? You with me so far? Just real practical stuff. If you do that often enough, you're going to find your heart will change. Your heart will change. It'll be healed. And you'll be looking and acting and speaking a lot more like Jesus Christ. If you can learn to do that. All right? Last practical thing is learn to take the first step of reconciliation. Learn to take the first step of reconciliation. Now, preface statement on this. Sometimes you can't reconcile with someone. I've stood with people while they look at a gravestone because they were estranged from their mom or their dad or their child and say, they died before I had a chance to reconcile with them. And so you may not have a chance to do it. But you can still forgive, can't you? Sometimes it's not wise to reconcile. To reconcile means to come back together and restore relationship. Well, what if you're married to somebody who is abusing you physically? And you've been separated from them now to protect yourself or your children. Do you need to automatically just go and reconcile and move back in with that person? We need to be wise. But if we're honest, we are blessed by the Father in that most situations that require forgiveness on our part, reconciliation is an option. It's an option. And it's, it's one that's wise to pursue. And so when it's that situation, take the first step. This is what I find most people are the most terrified about. And the ironic thing is that usually when you'll just take that first step, when you'll just sit down for that cup of coffee together and say, I need to talk with you. That's the hardest part right there. That's the most scary. Because usually if you'll sit and talk with people, you'll find it doesn't need, you never needed to be that scared. Satan has you convinced of something terrible that's going to happen if you dare step towards that person. But isn't that exactly what the baby Jesus was? He was a step toward us for reconciliation and for forgiveness. Right? Express your desire to restore the relationship. Again, we see that theme. Relationship. Uphold relationships. You have to remember this is a godly thing. This is not something that comes naturally. This is a supernatural thing when you're able to forgive those who have genuinely hurt you. When you do this and you move towards people, one thing that you need to be careful of, when you speak with them, be careful how you speak with them. If you go to move towards them in reconciliation, you know, it's usually not wise to begin the conversation by saying something like, okay, you were wrong, and I'm right, and you hurt me, and God help you, but I'm praying for you. That, that's not going to go over well, right? But what if you began that same conversation by just saying, 
you know, some things have transpired between us. And I'm sure that I had my part in it too. But one thing's for sure is that I've been holding out forgiveness against you. And I'd love it if you would forgive me for that. Would you forgive me for that? And 99 times out of 100, that person's going to go, well, well, yeah, of course I'll, I'll forgive you. What have I done to, to hurt you? And then you'll have the opportunity to share about what has transpired. And you can say, one thing I know for sure, I just want our relationship to be, to be healed. That's what's most important. I don't want to rehash what happened or what went wrong. But I, I just want us to be brother and sister again. You see the difference between those two conversations? Both, both account and discuss what has transpired, but one puts the emphasis on restoration and relationship and forgiveness rather than blame-placing. You see how it works? Let's be honest, guys. So many of the things that, that make us angry with one another... They're, they're smaller things. They're not even sinful. They're people that made honest mistakes or people that just made a bad judgment call. But we'll go days and weeks and sometimes months or years not talking to somebody over something so small. Are you willing to stand before God and account for that? He who has forgiven us for so much. Let's move towards reconciliation and forgiveness. Now I want you guys to never forget that forgiveness and grace, they speak Jesus to the world like almost nothing else does. Do you understand that? I mean, the world looks at the church. The world expects the church to be good citizens. The world expects the church uh, to be lawful, to be moral, to be ethical, to be generous, to be kind, to serve others. The world expects that. That's like, you know, me expecting my kids to get up in the morning and, and eat cereal and, and, and get it in the carpet and in between the seat cushions of the couch. You know, I just expect that. But when the world goes, whoa, what's going on? is when you see those monumental stories of people who have been hurt. When you see the story of a father in the courtroom embracing the murderer of his son as that murderer is sentenced and saying, I want you to know I forgive you for what you've done. Can you imagine? The world says, what is this? And that person says, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Forgiveness is, is an expensive gift. There can be no question. Jesus was an extremely expensive gift. But he was a wonderful gift. And he was the gift that our world needed and still needs. And you can give that gift away this year and the gift you will receive in return is so great. We're going to take two. 
close your eyes, bow your head with me. And as we take two, go to the Father and ask him if there's anybody in your life that you think you've forgiven that you need to go and forgive. Or maybe you already know. Maybe they've been on your mind since we started talking this morning. Let's take two. Let's pray together.